The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcherlist Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I am joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how you doing tonight? Hi, friends. I am good. I'm so I'm two days away from departing for. I, I want to call this the biggest trip of my life because I'm boring and I don't do things, especially not like on my own. So. uh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm taking a road trip. I'm taking I'm going to see five baseball games in five cities in six days. It's going to be real fun. And you know, you know who's going to be at the end of the road trip? Who, who I'm going to be meeting up with? Who, who's that, Schwebzy? Uh, just a few of my pals for the the internet. No one special, you know. Oh, I mean, like there's no one of note at all. I I don't know that many people in Milwaukee. Wait, but, wait, Schwebzy, wait. I live there. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, oh. we're gonna go. We're going to a dang Brewer game together, and I'm jacked. It's gonna be great. And then also, I mean, for those of you that tune into the Twitch stream on Sunday nights, they're already enough of a cluster as it is. Uh, Schwebzy's gonna be in person for our first ever podcast recording, sitting across from one, well, next to each other, probably more likely. But regardless, we're gonna be in the same room recording the podcast for the first time ever which is super dope and super exciting. We're going to record the podcast like a really aggressive Bruce Springsteen concert with both of us just shouting into one microphone oh inches away from each other's faces. I mean, thank goodness we're vaccinated, you know, fantastic. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, per usual, if you want to join us for what is going to likely be an incredibly chaotic and just incredible stream, it's going to be fantastic. I'm going to have so much fun hosting Schwebzy in my home. Feel free to tune into Schwebzy's Twitch channel. Again, that's twitch.tv backslash Schwebzy on Sunday night. It would be 8 p.m. Central Time, since you're going to be in the Central Time Zone. I'm going to say it that way. 9 p.m. Eastern uh, on Sunday night, and you can join us there, and we're going to be doing all the chaotic stuff there. Also, beyond that, let's also throw out the socials like we do at the top of every show. It's been so long since I've done this. I'm so bad right now. So out of practice. (laughs) So out of practice. It's been a while. How to Uh, pod. How to podcast. I don't know how uh socials at the top let's go okay so if you want to follow us jointly at our in the deep shared account on twitter you can follow us there at in the deep pl or you can follow schwebzy individually at schwebzy that's s-h-w-e-b-s-i or myself at bunt singles and then also throwing this out there too we do have an email so if you want to send us any mailbag questions and you don't have a twitter feel free to shoot us an email at in the deep pl at gmail.com and with that we covered all the easy stuff up top there. Let's talk about a few small little news items before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. Uh, so, Shrubsy, very fittingly, tonight you are wearing a Tampa Bay Rays hat, which uh, I think we've decided you were the cause of this particular piece of news because yeah. you were wearing it before the news even broke. But I like to think that I manifested this. You put this energy into the universe and the mm-hmm. universe sent back one Wander Franco. He's making his debut apparently this week. Really, though, I was I was trying to manifest Vidal Bruhan energy, but the universe must have misheard, and uh, they gave me Wander Franco. So well, the universe, I, she works in mysterious ways. 
And regardless, really? this is something to get hyped about. So obviously, biggest name, biggest prospect uh, coming up so far this year, obviously. Um, what kind of ripples is this going to have? So For us specifically, I should say. I mean, Ray's going to Ray, right? Like, we don't know. Yeah. Maybe he's going to close for them. Uh, you know, sell sell your fire ice in shares. <laughs> so, so, I mean, maybe he's the next Grom. Who's to say? Really? Yeah. So, uh, really, the the players who stand to be impacted the most from this are Joey Wendell, Brandon Lau, Taylor Walls, and so uh, Taylor Walls is a very strong defensive shortstop, and the Rays notoriously like having a strong defensive shortstop. Joey Wendell is having the season of his life. Brandon Lau is not. Uh, he's been uh, he he's still hitting for power, but he's not really uh, producing quite like we've uh, come to expect from Brandon Lau. So, I mean, we were we were speculating, and it's all speculation at this point. We we were talking before the show, and I said maybe like maybe Wendell or Lau gets traded. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't know. Like it's it, it feels like malpractice to bring up Wander Franco and not have him play every day. So I, I mean, I hope that that's what their plan is, but if that is their plan, I have no idea how the rest of the roster is going to shake out. Yeah, absolutely. Like you're not going to bring up literally the premier prospect in all of baseball to sit on the bench and not get playing time. You're not going to bring him up there and not let him play. So yeah, who is the odd man out here? That is the real question. We have to think about that. Um, it's going to have impacts for the next few weeks and the rest of the season, obviously it's a fluid situation. I mean, again, I think you put, brought up a good point, Schwebzy, in saying that there's a possibility that maybe one of those guys gets traded. Um, it feels like those aren't necessarily guys that you want to like send back down. Obviously, you can't send back down uh, Brandon Lau. You can't send Joey Wendell back down. Uh, technically, I guess you could send Taylor Walls back down if he ends yeah. up being the odd man out. But again, like you said, he plays good defense. They seem um, to like him. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough to say. So uh, at the end of the day, Franco's going to get a ton of playing time, I think. It's just a yeah. matter of how they split up the playing time and trying to shift people around to uh, split the rest of that playing time, whether it be Brandon Lau taking more days off uh, or, I mean, my guess is Taylor Walls, if anyone, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, and what you should be doing right now uh, if you're a fantasy baseball manager is you should be going to your waiver wire and checking to see if you're able to pick up Wander Franco, if he's available and if he's not rostered, uh, do that immediately because, uh, he is an Uber prospect. His best skill is his, uh, you know, bats of ball skills, which, uh, you know, to, will generally translate well. So I, I don't th- I like, you know, he might not hit for power, but, uh, I, I don't. I, I think that the the bust potential is relatively low as far as prospects go with Franco, just because his skill set mm-hmm. is very diverse. Because like a, a lot of those Uber prospects that fail, like it's it's because they can't put the bat on the ball. Exactly. Yeah, the K numbers are typically really really high. Like very yeah. boomer bust, but he's going to be. I mean, he's he, one. He's fast too. He puts the ball in play a fair amount. I think the one knock also is that he hits a lot of ground balls, too. Hasn't um, really borne out this year. Yeah. He's putting now, the ball yeah. in the gaps this year and yeah, over so, the fence. D- yeah, definitely encouraging uh, more so than previous years. So, I mean, yeah, if he's still available, obviously go get him. I know a lot of people in redraft leagues, if the benches are deep enough or if you have like an NA spot, a lot of people were stashing him, waiting for him to get called up because it was it was inevitable at this point. Um, but also just don't make the mistake of getting the under, other uh, Wander Franco that is part of the Giants farm system. Because I yes. know that there's definitely people out there that will and have made that mistake. Third baseman, San Francisco Giants, Wander Franco. Do not pick him up. You do not, not want the, that one. Not the one you want. Uh, let's move on a little bit here to uh, just a quick note on Matt Manning. Obviously, he made his debut this past week. Looked okay. CSW was incredibly low. Wasn't missing a ton of bats. Um, but limited the damage overall. Didn't have too bad of a outing. Uh and I'm just kind of hyped about this mostly because of our board bet that we had at the beginning of the year that I made with you saying that the combination of the three young eight, three young potential future aces, uh, Casey Mice, Tarek Skubal, and Matt Manning would have 25 or more wins combined. And we're actually not too far off the pace right now, Schwebzy. I, 
<laughs> you know what just popped into my head? We, uh, so we, we have mutually both been obsessed with the Bo Burnham uh, stand-up special that came out recently. Inside. It's amazing. Yeah, yes. yes. And what just popped into my head is, how are we feeling tonight? I'm not <laughs> feeling good. I'm not feeling good. <laughs> Potting at 1130, feeling like, no, I'm not going to finish that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling pretty fantastic if I'm being completely honest, but I definitely understand why you're feeling the way you are. Dude, uh, I, I tweeted out the other day that uh, I'm, I'm I'm sorry that I bet on the players that I did because every single one of them went down for like multiple months. Uh, yeah. And in uh, the, the Tigers case, I, I, I very well may have... Uh, personally spurred on the development of all three of their prospects. Yeah. I mean, uh, we have plenty of both, both Mize and uh, Scooble stands in the uh, pitcher list discord. And I know that I was very excited about Matt Manning, even more so than the other two. Um, he was having some control issues this year, which was a little bit concerning. Uh, his ERA was pretty, pretty high this year in AAA. So he was struggling quite a bit with his command. It was a dinger um, problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That he was giving up a lot of uh, home runs. And that's the thing, too. He doesn't have like a very high spin rate on his fastball. He throws very hard, but it doesn't have a lot of ride on it, well, unfortunately. It what like I this has happened a bit it, with uh, with debuts this year. Mm-hmm. His fastball was not as hard as advertised. I'm not sure what was up with that. Well, that's the thing, too. You always expect, I feel like, with a lot of guys who are making their debuts, you feel like it's going to be, they're going to have the adrenaline pumping, they're going to be up a tick or two or something like that, and then they'll settle down as the start goes on, right? Yeah, well, yeah, he didn't that even have that. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't the case with them at all. So, definitely interesting. Um, I'm still excited. I still think that in the long term, he is most likely going to be the best out of those three. So, I hope that he can continue to develop in his first little taste in the majors here, but... Yeah. Um, anything else on Manning or any? Well, I mean, Manning, Mize, or Scooble, Schwebzy? No, no. We're we're doing that thing where we love baseball so much that we're getting off topic and talking about things that aren't the podcast topic. That's fair. <laughs> we always do that. That's fine. Okay, let's just quick cover one more thing then before we get into the actual like main part of the pod here, where we cover our hitters and pitchers. So we're just going to quick go over some guys that we talked about before. We don't ha- want to like rehash the same people over and over again, obviously. But these are guys that are still rostered twenty uh, percent or less in leagues that we think are still worth your attention. Obviously, uh, I'm going to cover just a couple brewers here up top. So I'm going to say Willie Adamas, who's still only eighteen percent rostered in most leagues. Um, we talked about previously how he can see the ball well when he was playing with the Rays at the Trop, and so far as a Brewer, he's hitting 292, and his defense has been super rock solid, and he's gelling really well with the whole team. So just like in general, like lots of positives stacking up there. So if you haven't had an eye on Adamas, definitely hop on him. Uh, someone that's I think also benefiting a bit here because of an injury for the Brewers is Luis Urias. He is putting up a really solid average and a really good OBP over the past couple of weeks. He's got 13 runs scored um, and he's going to see plenty of run at third base. <clears throat> Excuse me. With uh, Travis Shaw dislocating his shoulder uh, about a week or so ago. So uh, pretty clear path to playing time for Luis Arias. He's going to be unchallenged and the bat's waking up. So that's really good. Um, Schwabs, do you want to take the next couple? Sure. Yeah. So uh, Brandon Belt is next on our list. He's just over the threshold, but he is at 22% ownership right now and is back off the IL and hitting the tar out of the ball. It's really simple with Belt. He's hurt often, but every time he is not hurt, he should be rostered. So if he got dropped in your league, pick him up if if you need corner infield or utility production. Uh, In a similar vein, Michael Franco, uh, I've talked about him before. Nothing stands out. But he is going to play every day. He's in a good ballpark. He's in a prime lineup position. He's going to continue to provide decent enough power and great RBI numbers. Uh, let's see. Dobby Balbeck is what I wrote because <laughs> I had to spoonerize that in the notes for some reason. Of course you did. What You, you want to talk about our large adult son? I mean, I think this is, it's, it's our large adult son. So I think that we can kind of share the responsibility here when he's got like four home runs over the past two weeks or something like that. He's been hitting another guy. He's now been hitting the tar out of the ball once again, which has been really nice. And this is kind of what we expected out of him when we hyped him up a bit in the preseason, right? Yeah. Like he has 
raised his op like season ops like over 100 points in the last week or two like he's been really really uh stepping up his game lately and i am very very encouraged to see the red Sox continue to give him chances and keep running him out there and letting him work through it it shows that they have confidence in him and since they have that confidence in him and he's starting to come around uh you know that's going to continue to be more playing time ideally Absolutely. Yeah. And I think he's like, he's pretty solid defensively too, which is a boon as well. It's going to make sure that he stays on the field as well. Cause obviously in a lot of cases that uh, DH slots can be filled by like JD Martinez if they don't want to sh- stick him in the outfield. Right. Yeah. 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 So this is the way that he's going to get his opportunities is continuing to play like decent defense. And then, I mean, the bat is waking up, so that's good. And then this last one here was actually a recommendation that was made a couple weeks ago, I believe by uh little piranha. Yes. PL plus member, little piranha. So thanks for that, by the way, Piranha. Yeah. We appreciate it. He uh, he he called out Stephen Dugar, Dugar for us to talk about, and uh, we talked about him a little on the podcast. And I actually, I personally, immediately went out and picked him up in uh, one of my dynasty leagues. I don't, I don't know if I expect him to be a long term dynasty asset, but as soon as I picked him up, he had a two home run, two stolen base week, and we love to see that. Uh, and on top of that, he's been he's provided a good batting average, a good uh, OBP great counting numbers um oh god i i had this written down last week um i'm I'm just scrolling through our old notes really quickly uh his like 600 plate appearance pace and his current production works out to 28 home runs 105 runs 98 rbis with a 300 plus batting average that was as of two weeks ago but uh the production has maintained so yeah per plate appearance duggar has been awesome this year and uh yastrzemski's return has not eaten into his playing time enough to be alarming so i'm gonna keep running him out there in the couple leagues where i picked him up if he keeps getting run you might as well keep running him out there it's great yeah i mean really good call out there by a little piranha we appreciate it obviously again if you want to send us any recommendations for people that you think that we're missing the boat on or like we should check out or you want us to take a deeper dive into again hit us up on our socials uh if you're a pl plus member reach out to us there or shoot us an email or or if you just want us to say your name which you know might be a thing for some people too. We're always going to give credit where credit is due here, or at least we're going to try our best to. And also, that's another thing too. Please, if we miss someone, let us know so we can give people credit for stuff if they hit it first or anything like that, obviously. But uh, Duggar is a really good call out. Uh, but also a really good segue because we go from talking about one giant to another. We do have an affinity for giants hitters we do on this podcast. Dude, I literally, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I literally said like, it's ridiculous what the Giants are doing. I can't wait for two, three weeks from now when we're talking about this guy because I thought it was such a ridiculous thing that we might have to talk about this guy. And now here we are talking about this guy. Jordan, who is this guy? This guy is Lamont Wade Jr. 1% rostered across ESPN and Yahoo League. So very likely going to be out there for you to pick up. So I would definitely recommend that. The biggest draw for me about Lamont Wade Jr. is the fact that he's been hitting at the top of the order almost every single day for the past two weeks, aside from, I think, the one day where he was not starting and then he pinch hit and was in the ninth spot. So he's been consistently at the top of that very, very, very solid Giants order. I think they're tied for fourth overall in uh, League WRC+. Shockingly good. And like, then they're also, I've... yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, but yeah, if you go over his pace for the past 15 days, he's got a 278 average over 55 plate appearances, a 339 OBP. So it's not like he's going to hurt you in one league and help you in another. He's pretty good in both. And he's also got three home runs, eight runs, nine RBIs, and a stolen base tucked in there. He's not going to be a stolen base threat. He's like 23rd percentile in sprint speed. He's not going to be stealing you a ton of bases. So don't think that you're going to get a ton of value there. But the rest of it seems interesting. I don't know. I took a deeper look into him and I was pretty pleasantly surprised overall there's like a huge change in his spray charts he's not like pulling the ball more or anything like that necessarily uh but from what i was able to glean while looking at his fan graphs page he's elevating the ball more which is really nice so he's getting the ball in the air he's got a 19.7 degree launch angle on average which is better than it has been and he's also set a new career high in both his max ev and line drive rates so far this year so he's hitting the ball much harder and then hitting more line drives. So that's going to obviously work out to a better average in theory. Um, between the improvement in his batted, bro, uh, batted ball profile, uh, his premier spot in the order, and just like the added benefit of having both infield and outfield eligibility, because he is first base eligible and outfield eligible, he's 
I think definitely worth an ad in pretty much every single 15 team league and in NL only leagues, if he's still out there, which I'd I'd hope that he is. Um, And honestly, I'd even entertain adding him in deeper 12 teamers. If you need like, excuse me, some positional versatility. You know, it's funny how like, so we, we talk about devil magic a lot with like teams getting random production from unexpected places. We talked about it a lot with the Cardinals back in the day when they like, they always seem to have like one or two guys a year who would come out of nowhere and produce like gangbusters. Like yeah. the giants have a unique brand of it where just like every single player on the roster contributes at least like a little bit. And uh, it's just, it's unreal. Yeah. It's been crazy this year. I, again, we've talked about so many giants hitters this year. It's been absurd. And like, obviously I think we are kind of on, hitting the nail on the head because they're like I said, when I mentioned the tied for fourth in team WRC plus so far this year, um, they're just producing as a whole. So definitely in general, I think, yeah, I mean, Lamont Wade jr. Being only 1% rostered in this many leagues, I think is pretty gross considering he is a leadoff hitter on one of the best offenses in the NL. I don't know why more people haven't added him at this point, but uh, let's move on from him for now. Just, and then let's, oh wait, go ahead. Real quick. Where do you think the giants rank in all of baseball in home runs? Uh, I would say that they are, I say they're first close second, right behind Toronto. But like, that's ridiculous because yeah. they have Brandon Crawford with like 16 home runs and then no one else with like a really huge amount. Well, yeah, it's really spread out across like the whole yeah. team. Like Buster Posey has like 10 or 11 or something like yeah. that too. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people that you, we did not expect to, well, Brandon Crawford being the biggest surprise. I don't think anyone expected that, but like, cause the most home runs that he's on pace for like 35 home runs yeah, and the most he had is like 21, I think mm-hmm. something like that. So yeah, I mean, super surprising. Um, all right, let's go to someone that we've, I, I don't know if we've covered Akil Badu before, but I mean, someone that was very hot, you very know hot topic when he first debuted. Right. That we never covered him because we never had the chance. His ownership yeah. has only now just dipped into the range where we can talk about him. That's true. And I believe that is a mistake. And let me tell you why. So, you, you God, so bad. <laughs> Extreme podcast voice. Let me Extreme tell you about Akil Badu. You know what? Akil Badu is good. Let me tell you why. <laughs> So using, yeah. using that crappy, sorry, folks, I lost my voice last night because I was watching the Bucks game at a bar and they won a game seven for the first time. I think ever is the accurate uh, description of that. So now I, I just had an excuse to use like the very extreme podcast voice and I'm very happy. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about Akil Badu. Shrubsy, I'm going to yeah. hand it back to you. I apologize. So you probably heard about him because, uh, you know, it, o- over the course of March and April, he was a fantastic story. Uh 22 year old uh playing and producing like uh, i think he had five home runs and four stolen bases in spring training he Mm -hmm. walked nearly as much as he struck out just a crazy spring training production and then april started and it continued he kept right on smacking home runs until he stopped so for the month of april he had Oh, I know I have this written down here. 29 strikeouts and two walks for the month of April. That is not good. That is not how you produce long-term as uh, many a failed player can attest. But in May, that changed. 17 walks and 14 strikeouts. Sorry. Yeah, 17 strikeouts and 14 walks in May. That is a huge change. And not only is it a huge change, but it's believable that he can maintain it because his minor league plate discipline was really strong. And as I mentioned before, like he showed really great plate discipline in spring training. So he's exhibited this before and we're kind of like we're we're watching him evolve like in real time. I've said this before uh, about. Tariq Scuba, like we're watching him learn how to navigate major league lineups in real time as he, you know, tinkers with his pitches and, uh, you know, uh, uses them more or less in different game situations with Badu, We're seeing the plate discipline evolve in real time. Uh, we actually had a resident, uh, hitting genius, Scott Chu write about Badu in the, uh, oh God, I don't have the date here. Yes. It was, it was one of our daily, uh, hitter roundups and he really dove into 
the plate discipline changes for Badu mm-hmm. and why he thinks that this is a believable change. Now, there's a downside here. Since he started walking like uh, like so much more, he stopped hitting for power. Uh, he's only got seven extra base hits in 97 plate appearances in May and June compared to 11 extra base hits in 66 plate appearances in April. I feel like there's a middle ground here that can be met. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think that the uh, power needs to completely go away. But even if this is the new Akil Badu and he doesn't really get that power back, well, at least the home run stroke, he's still going to be valuable because he's still going to put up a good batting average, a good OBP, and he's stealing bases. You know we love those stolen bases in fantasy. Yes, we do. And he's up to eight. I think he might have got one today, which would bring him to nine. But yeah, like as of right now, he's a fantasy asset in every league if if this can continue, which I think it can. And if the power makes any sort of return, like you could be talking about a legitimate, like, you know, 12 team, uh, you know, must own player, because then you'd be talking about a guy with power, speed, average, everything. I don't know if we could have a Cedric Mullins kind of breakout here, but where we're talking about a player with like that kind of skill set, the guy has had a 450 foot home run this year and also 94th percentile sprint speed. Like that's all the skills you need. Uh, Scott mentioned in his write-up of Akil Badu that 12 teamers didn't really need to act immediately, but 15 teamers and deeper needed to pay attention. And that's, that's pretty much where I'm at. Um, I know I, I picked him up in TGFBI and uh, yes. I've been very happy with what he's done so far. And uh, if you're in, you know, any leagues that deep or deeper and he's on the waiver wire, I, I would snatch him up immediately. I, I snagged him in a dynasty league with him being only 22 and already showing this kind of growth. And I'm really excited for, you know, what's to come. Yeah. I think the nice thing too, is like we've seen in a pretty short time span, what I think is the range of outcomes that we can expect from Akil Badu. Like you said, like it's just fluctuated so hard in each direction, but we've seen now what he's capable of and he has adjusted um, and has shown somewhat like those similar plate discipline metrics as he did in the minors and also in spring training this year. And it's nice that he's been able to kind of like take that and find some success on what is to be fair, like a pretty subpar Tigers offense, right? It's, it is, it it's is very his, strange, yeah. very strange that he's gone from basically like, april lewis brinson to may I, I don't even know what this profile is the zero power great plate discipline what is, is it that's like that's like 2019 joey Votto. i don't know i was gonna say like it's joey like, Votto couldn't hit home runs basically yeah. yeah it's been so strange but it's really interesting to watch and he's been a valuable player pretty much every step of the way yeah no just in I mean, different ways yeah I am a little bit envious of you, actually, for being able to get him in TGFBI because I think he was still being believed in by the uh, person who rostered him in my TGFBI league, and he is not available out there for me. So, ten dollars. Uh, oh God, ten dollars. Yeah, that's a good get. That's a real good get. It's okay. I I, I overpaid for Lamont Wade tonight. <laughs> I paid like no one else bid on him, and I bid like sixty dollars. At least you didn't overbid by a hundred and forty-eight dollars like I did today on someone. You know what? When you we'll when get, you want, you, you got to get your guys. That's what we'll you got to do. Head get later. Oh yeah, I forgot. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's move from one outfielder to another. Let's move out west and go to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and talk a bit about Taylor Ward. So I'm going to start with a couple pluses here. One plus for Ward. He's been raking over the past two weeks. It, today his hit streak was broken, but up until that point he had hit safely in nine straight games. So like he's getting on base a ton. He's hitting the ball really well. Uh, and then during a 15-day span, or the past 15 days, I should say, he's thrown up like really, really insane counting stats. He's had 11 runs, 13 RBIs, and three home runs over that time. He's also had a 320 average and a 414 OBP during that time. There's just like so much to love about what he's done over the past few weeks. And obviously, that's in the absence of Mike Trout, right? So he's played both right field and center field during this time. So very nice to see. And... When you look at his rolling ex-WOBA charts, which, I mean, we're going to give some more love to, apparently this is the Scott Shoe Love Hour, apparently. Bless our Tiger King, our favorite Detroit fan. Uh, He's someone who swears by using someone's rolling ex-WOBA charts to find like hitter breakouts or like hot streaks emerging and things like that. 
And when you look at Taylor Ward's rolling ex-Woba charts since he came to the league in 2018, it's just like a constant, just straight line upwards, just constant growth. Like it's very clear, like a linear growth in the entire time that he's been in the league. So it seems like there might be something legit here, judging by that. Um, also, just to be clear, Scott Chu did an entire presentation on this uh, for this past year's PitchCon, which is a completely free little uh, series of presentations that we do here at PitcherList for charity uh, that can be seen on the Twitch channel. Uh, you can also find all the recordings from all those this past year on PitcherList's uh, YouTube page. Just look up PitcherList on YouTube and you should be able to find it. But I don't know. You just combine all of that with the fact that he's got slotted into the third slot in the lineup for his past four starts. So he's getting now a premier lineup spot. He's got rolling charts that are trending upwards. It seems like there's way too much upside here, considering he's literally only rostered in 6% of ESPN and Yahoo leagues. Like It just feels silly to me that more people haven't caught on and picked him up, including myself, honestly. Uh, so this obviously gets complicated down the line when Mike Trout eventually makes his return. But if he keeps hitting really well, he could push Justin Upton out of the lineup for at-bats in theory. Things How like, dare you? I know. We, we like Justin Upton here, too. That's the thing. But it's like... How dare you? I mean, what are you going to do? Because you're going to you're not going to get rid of Jared Walsh. Obviously, Trout's going to play center field because you're not going to have anyone but Shohei Otani DHing probably. So that leaves a third outfield spot for Justin Upton and uh, Taylor Ward to fight over. But if Taylor Ward continues to hit like he has been, I think he ends up winning out and getting that spot. Um, but yeah, basically, I think that he's completely rosterable in 12-teamers with like five outfield spots right now, and then pretty much any 15-teamer you can think of. That's pretty much where I'm at with Taylor Ward. I'm pretty hyped on him, actually. One of those one of those guys that you start digging into and you only find you like him more as you go along? Oh, God, there was so much to love. Literally everything. I was like, why can't I find anything that I do not enjoy about this man right now? But yeah, pretty hyped. Uh this is also someone, oh, that, that's a pretty good segue, actually, Schwebzy, because there's someone else that we're going to talk about next here that the more you dug into this person, the more you got hyped about the fact that you did grab him in certain places, right? Yeah, no, I, I am now fully, fully on board this bandwagon. Here we uh, go. The, the player we're talking about is Harold Ramirez of the Cleveland uh, team that I don't want to mention their name. Please change your name already, please. Yes, uh, please. Thank you. Another recent addition to my TGFBI squad. I, I'm really, really hyped about him. I feel like I've been talking about Josh Naylor all year long and then how Harold Ramirez like halfway through April was just like, oh, I'm going to do what you thought that Josh Naylor was going to do. Cool. <laughs> Great. Uh, so, yeah, he's done exactly what I expected from Naylor. Uh, high contact rates, good top end velos. And he's an absolute machine with putting the ball into play. There's really strong potential for a batting average anchor here as so get this. He has a combined strikeout and walk rate. Like is, if you just add his strikeout percentage and walk percentage, a combined rate of 12.8%, which <laughs> to put it into context, only three players in baseball have a lower combined rate than that. Those players are Kevin Newman, Williams Astadio, and Hanser Alberto. I love the fact that we got to mention Williams Astadio in this episode. I love that we snuck him in there. <laughs> love it. Oh. La Tortuga. And if you look at those three players' stat lines, you'll notice that they have a combined six home runs. And they're very much slapdick players. And Harold Ramirez has six home runs by himself, with three of those coming in the last two days. Uh, that's one on Sunday and two on Saturday. I mentioned good top-end power before. And that's reflected in his really impressive exit velos. He's got a max exit velocity of 114.5, which puts mm. him in elite company. The other players around that max exit velo are players like Rafael Devers, Joey Gallo, Matt Olson, Manny Machado, Juan Soto, you know, like guys with major, major power. So the reason that Harold Ramirez isn't among those guys in production is because he's got a serious case of the Hosmers as mm. he just cannot stop putting the ball on the ground. He just doesn't elevate it. He's averaging a 92.7 exit below average. And like 
the like the players in that range pretty much all barrel the ball much more often so a barrel you need both exit velocity and an optimal launch angle he's only getting half of that equation Mm -hmm. so you've got a guy with a great hard hit rate and then a middling barrel rate like basically the only guy in his average exit velo range who has a worse barrel rate is alex bohm another guy who really needs to put the ball in the air more so, like I said, this is one of those players that the more I looked into him, the more I liked him. I already roster him in a couple leagues. I'm about to go out and see if I can get him in more. And our own Matt Wallach recently wrote an article about Ramirez talking about a, a lot of what I just mentioned and taking a much deeper dive. Uh, because a, as we've said before, uh, I'm, I'm not smart and most of my colleagues are. Uh, it absolutely warrants a read. So go check that out. That's uh, Matt Wallach wrote that on PitcherList.com. Uh, he's only rostered in 4% of leagues. Go pick him up. Love it. And also, be nicer to, to yourself, Schwebzy. Come on not. now. Give yourself I, some credit. I will not. I'm going to shower you with so many compliments when we're recording live and in person. You're not even going to be able to handle it. You're going to shrink back in on yourself. It's going to be amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you cringe so hard. It's going to be fantastic. Okay. We do have one more batter we want to talk about here. And this is injury related. Uh, Alex Bregman did go down recently. Uh, Schweb's. Let's let you cover a little bit here of what we think of Abraham Toro. This is someone that I think you also, again, kind of fitting the same mold as yeah. Ramirez. You dug in and you found stuff that you liked. What right. was it? This this uh, process was a little interesting for me because I fully expected to be like, wow, I hate this profile, but he's got an opportunity. So pick him up. Yeah. But I'm kind of a fan. Uh, like, I, like usually. <laughs> so, all right. So. You might have heard about this if you're a fan of the Astros or 315-foot home runs, but Alex Bregman just got hurt. So we've got opportunity. Someone's got to fill that spot, and it looks like that person is Abraham Toro. Robel Garcia played for one game uh, with, with Toro getting a night off. I don't think that's going to continue because Robel Garcia is just not very good, and Abraham Toro might be. Through 25 plate appearances so far, Abraham Toro is slashing a really nice looking 348, 400 OBP, 478 slug with only one strikeout in 25 plate appearances. That is awesome. And uh, he's coming off of a four for five night against the White Sox uh, today, Sunday. And he had a combo meal in his first game after getting called up. And that steal might be a little misleading. Never stole too many bases in the minors. So I don't know if I'd expect too many in the majors. But this is a guy who routinely put up great numbers in the minors. And this year, a small sample size, of course, because the minor league season has not been going on that long. But mm-hmm. he absolutely annihilated AAA this year to a tune of a near 1,100 OPS with 11 walks to only eight strikeouts. And you know how I love me a player with great plate discipline. Yes, he does. I'm not sure what kind of power or speed upside we have here. Scanning his minor league stat lines and his prospect reports show 50 power, which is nothing really spectacular and a a, a couple double digit home run seasons in the minors. So, you know, maybe this is a guy that finds his power stroke later on and he gets to 20 plus home runs. But I think we're looking at a guy who can like top out right now at this moment at around 15 home runs. Uh, maybe when he's hitting against lefties, he can uh, hit those Crawford boxes in Minute Maid, which would be helpful to his home run totals. But I think as long as Bregman is out, I would take a chance on Toro just because the lineup is so good. He's mm-hmm. hitting behind some really like great elite hitters like Michael Brantley and Jose Altuve. Like It's a good lineup. And uh, yeah, uh, having... Everyday plate appearances in that lineup means you're worthwhile in fantasy, probably. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, literally, it is the best offense in baseball right now. I think I would say undisputed, the best offense in baseball. So, yeah, just inherently having a spot in that lineup gives you even more value. And Toro, yeah, I agree with you, Schwebs, completely. I'm absolutely looking at picking him up in leagues if I need that corner infield or util spot filled up. Um, I know that I have an auction live in an auto new league for him right now, so I can grab him hopefully, uh, fingers crossed that I win it, but yeah, he's a excellent pickup. Uh, do we want to move on to some pitchers now? 
I don't want to move on to this particular picture, but I guess we have to. That's fine. That's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll get through it. I also, t- can I, if I'm being completely honest, I'm not super excited to talk about him either, <laughs> even though I did write him up for this episode, I will say. Um, Look, yeah, I'm so happy. So uh, the, the picture in question is Brett Anderson. And as I mentioned uh, earlier, I'm about to go see a, uh, a Brewers game with Jordan. I'm so glad. So glad that it was like, all right. So I'm going to be seeing uh, Adrian Hauser, which sucks, but you had a it's a 60% chance to see a really good picture and you fudged it up, hit that 40 so hard, <laughs> but uh, he's not good least, with RNG folks. At least it's not a, uh, at least it's not Brett Anderson. It's fair. At least it's not Brett Anderson. We'll always tell ourselves that, but okay. So I do want to talk about Brett Anderson here and I'm just going to put a disclaimer up top to the pitchers for sure that I'm going to talk about tonight. I'm going very high risk with this week. So I just want to make sure that the buyer will be aware. Just don't like, I understand that these are high risk picks and they could blow up in your face. I'm going to gamble on them personally. So at least I will also be hurting if you're hurting and you try to do this. (laughs) So just know that I'm going to be right there with you. So Brett Anderson, he did just throw a gem against the Reds, which is a pretty good offense. Over, like, there's some good bats in that lineup. Um, in his last outing, that was at home in the AmFam Clam in Milwaukee. And this is a suggestion in the same vein as like at the beginning of the season, if you listened way back then, as Jake Arrieta, where he's got an incredibly favorable schedule coming up. So his next three starts are lined up to be at Arizona, which is one of the worst def- or worst offenses in the league. Uh, Versus Colorado at home, so away from Coors, fantastic. And then at Pittsburgh, which one? Pittsburgh's offense is awful, and PNC is a pretty good pitcher's park. Um, So for those that are paying attention at home and know any better, those are literally three of the four lowest-rated offenses by WRC Plus in the majors. So they're three of the bottom four, Schwebzy. It's in the notes. You're probably looking at it right now. But do you know what the other offense is? That is in the bottom four. Is it the New York Mets? It's not. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's, I thought you. I thought you were leading me there. <laughs> no, I wasn't leading you there. I was leading you back to my team. Oh, the Brewers. The Brewers. They are in the bottom four as well. This, so, this was a, this was a fun mean, surprise, not a sad surprise for me. That might. Yeah. Yeah. Sad uh, for you. I'm for sorry. You. Uh, yeah. Great for you. Sad for me. But um, so I guess. There is also the idea that maybe Anderson might not get the most run support. I will say that the Brewers offense has looked a lot better as of late, but still not great. Um, Basically, in his last outing, he went seven innings against the Reds. He struck out nine. And while that's like certainly within the range of possible outcomes, because clearly it did happen, I feel incredibly confident in saying that he is not going to perform to that level. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Why? Is that in the range of outcomes? I think something's broken, honestly. Something yeah, broke the sim- that day. The, sim- the simulation is yeah. broken, basically. It was a glitch. So, why am I so confident in that? Well, he's punched out at most four batters in literally any other start this year. So that was a huge overperformance on Anderson's part. He is not a K guy. He doesn't throw hard. I think he usually sits around like 88, 89 with his fastball. Like he's not going to overpower anyone. His whole bag is that he pitches to contact and gets ground ball outs. And considering he's got a pretty stellar middle middle infield between um, Colton Wong and Willie Adamas, that should help him out a decent amount, and he should fare somewhat well. And basically, the last thing I'll say about him is like I don't think he's ever going to set the world on fire because his savant page is straight up ice blue. I think that there is an opportunity here because he can work deep enough into games in some cases that you might be able to vulture a few wins with someone that literally no one else is going to be targeting. And also he's probably not going to hurt your whip that bad because he pitches to contact. So dangerous for sure. He's only rostered in 2% of leagues, but he is someone that I'm recommending you try to run out as a streamer for his next few starts. And obviously if he pitches really, really poorly against Arizona and absolutely craps the bed, you can just sever the tie right there and be done with it. So what one thing his savant page is good for if you have like a toddler or, and you're teaching him to count to 10 <laughs> you can teach no you can if you look at his savant sliders you can literally teach someone how to count to 7 he's got it's yeah yeah no every number between like 1 and 7 is represented uh, there so it's that's it's not so good bad. that's not good by the way i mean the rest what? of the, 
Brewers that's, pitching staff is like like there's something to look forward to, obviously yeah. for the most part, except for sort of Hauser as well. But yeah, that's the one. That's the one big wart. Yeah, I'd have hated to see a good pitcher. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna take a slight reprieve from my absolute just dangerous, just off. Well, may, potentially catastrophic pick. To be fair, and we're gonna let Schwebzy take a take a shot here with. One Patrick Sandoval. Talk about Patrick Sandoval a little bit. Look, just just talking about your disaster potential disaster pick. Every time I dislike one of your picks, it's awesome because uh, as I've said, much smarter than me. So uh, I dislike. I, I don't like Brett Anderson, so I'm sure it's going to be awesome. <laughs> uh, pa- yeah, Patrick Sandoval is uh, one of the guys I wanted to talk about today, and I'm cheating a little bit here because he is at 23% ownership as of recording. Uh, but that's because I feel like this is a particularly important ad to talk about. And almost literally every fantasy manager should be going out and checking their waiver wire to see if this player is there. Uh, I mentioned before that I overpaid by like $150 in TGFBI to make a pickup. And that was on Patrick Sandoval because I do feel <laughs> that strongly about the potential here. So he's got nine appearances on the year now. Some of those are short stints, but he's only allowed more than two earned runs twice. And in those games, he only allowed three and four earned runs. So no major blowups. That's not why we're super excited, though. The real fun starts on his June 6th start against Seattle, which was three starts ago, when he went six innings, struck out 10. And starting with that start uh, in the three starts since, he has thrown 17.2 innings while striking out 23 and only walking five. In that Seattle start, Sandoval had 32 whiffs. Absurd. And... To put that into context, no one else has done that this year. No one. So uh, I'm, I'm stealing stealing from uh, Nick Pollock's starting pitcher roundup from that day a little bit here when I paraphrase this, but uh, it's the Seattle Mariners offense, yes, but also no one else has done this to the Seattle Mariners offense, and they've been no hit twice. That's fair. Okay, so real quick, though, I just got to ask, though, because no one else has done this. Patrick Sandoval better than Jacob Degrom confirmed. I mean, I, I it's numbers. You can't like. How am I supposed to dispute the numbers? Can't can't argue with math. You know, we we swear to numbers here. We we worship at the altar of the statistics and the uh... <laughs> much to the chagrin <laughs> of the old heads. Yeah. No, I do. Th- I do think Jacob Degrom is still better. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Sorry with God's. With God sounds gross. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, yeah. Patrick Sandoval, uh, when you're looking at his whole repertoire, the number one attraction is his changeup. His changeup is awesome, has been for a while, continues to be. And in that Seattle start, he got 17 whiffs on the changeup alone. And that just shows you how awesome of a pitch it is. But it's really telling that he also got 15 whiffs on his other non-primary whiff pitches. Like 15 whiffs is like, a good day of work for a lot of pitchers. And mm-hmm. that's what he got on like his non primary pitches. So yeah, it was, it was a really, really awesome uh, showing through and through, which is what kind of like put him on analysts radars in like a big way. So the game after that, his next start, the slider wasn't really working, but the changeup was again, game after that changeup continues to be lit, but this time both the sl- curve and the slider did well. And the point here is that he's got multiple paths to success, which really helps with consistency and putting up a quality line at the end of the day. Now, overall, Sandoval is throwing his four-seam fastball significantly less than in previous years, which is has done... Uh, like we've, we've seen that a lot in recent years where a pitcher dramatically decreases their fastball usage and then their production gets better. Uh, his four-seam fastball is not very good, so we want him to throw it less and throw his good pitches more. I it's every time a pitcher does this and it works, it's just like, yeah, like, of, no course it, of course, of <laughs> course, what, whatever we're, we're, we're just armchair analyzing here. That's uh, fair. So yeah, he's throwing the fastball less upping his changeup usage and he added a sinker, which is interesting because the sinker has not been super good from a results perspective, but I mean, the sinker we know is utilized to get quick outs, to get some called strikes, and uh, the, it seems to be helping his overall package. I mean, uh, 
so far so good is all I'll say. So yes, the opponents that he faced so far, well, the, the opponents that he faced in the stretch that I'm particularly interested in are Detroit, Arizona, Seattle, which is not particularly imposing in any way, shape or form. No. But it was a 33 K percentage in those three starts. Like doing that to any team is eye opening. So there's some real indicators that his dominance could continue against better opponents. The big issue with him as I see it is that his fastballs are really home run prone, both his four seam and his sinker, which is not good. That's my biggest concern. I don't I don't want to see, you know, I don't you don't want to get beat on your third and fourth best pitch, which is a, a common uh, Nick Pollock adage. I uh yeah, and uh, that's what he's getting beat on. He's he's I wonder like I wonder if he should be decreasing the usage even more, but yeah, the the breakers are great and uh he's using them more and uh, I really like what I'm seeing and I like I said I just overpaid for him so much in TGFBI. So uh, I'm a fan. I I definitely added him in at least two other leagues also. Why throw more fastball when few fastball do trick? That's pretty much what I have to say. That's my best Kevin from the office impersonation talking mm-hmm. to Patrick Sandoval, asking him why doesn't he just throw his off-speed stuff more often? Yeah, I mean, again, it just seems like very, from like where we're sitting, like you said, we're being armchair analysts here, but it seems like very obvious to us. Like, oh yeah, these other pitches are better. You should throw them more often, considering that your fastball just gets lit up. Duh. I don't know. Duh. Of course. I don't know. Obviously, there's a uh, execution aspect of that, too, and how well you throw those pitches. But no, I, I think I'm, I'm also on board with Patrick Sandoval. We did cheat a little bit here because he is slightly above our threshold of what we usually look at. But he was definitely worth taking a deeper dive into because we had a couple of showings, like Schweb said, that were offering us a different perspective, something that we hadn't seen from Patrick Sandoval before. Right. And he is he is a... Uh, a, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. He's he's under the radar enough that even in a league where you have savvier uh, rival managers, like he might still be available because it's you know it's Patrick Sandoval. Like ha, he's not a, he's just not a household yeah. name yet, so you can still you know sneak in an ad before the other uh, managers in your league are onto him. Exactly. Yeah, and they, I mean they might obviously st- still have memories of having like or seeing Sandoval blow up. Stuff like that. They haven't seen. I mean, they might not be willing to take the chance. Like the, they're more risk averse, and like that's going to be depending on the player you are. I think, like for me, I'm happy to do something like this. This is a game. At the end of the day, I'm going to play this to have fun. And if I can pick up, if I can be the guy who picks up Sandoval and reaps the benefits and can say I told you so, it's going to be great. If I get razzed at the end of the year for picking up Sandoval and blowing up all my ratios, totally fine with me too because I've created entertainment for someone else. The Irish Panda, baby. Love it. I love the Irish Panda. All right. Uh, Sandoval, dope. Moving on to Johan Oviedo. So, again, we're going to go back to what I said at the beginning. Buyer beware. Uh, do this with a certain amount of caution. I wanna, I'm going to start with some warts with Oviedo, just to get like the bad stuff out of the way right away. All right? So... Oviedo in all of his starts this year has only gone five or more innings twice. And like his ERA is bad. His FIP is bad. His XFIP is bad. There's like not a lot to like in his like very surface stats. So why in the world would I recommend that you take a look at him? Well, we saw his ceiling in his last start. So Oviedo ended up going seven innings with four, only four Ks, which isn't great, but he didn't have any walks and he was sporting a 32% CSW, which is pretty good. Um, yeah, right. But at the same time, a ceiling doesn't define who the pitcher is. He still has like a really high whip because he walks a ton of folks. And one, that's obviously not good for your ratios Two, It's going to limit his innings pitch, which means fewer quality starts, fewer wins, obviously. Um, like I mentioned before, ERA is fairly ugly, ugly at 4.58. Um, and just in general, why he's, while he's been underwhelming for the year, I'm putting him in the same bucket as Brett Anderson because he's got a couple of really good starts coming up. He's going to be pitching at Detroit in Comerica, which is a very good pitcher's park, and against Pittsburgh at home in Bush, which is also a very good pitcher's park. He's also got a game at Colorado, which I'm not necessarily recommending you do. I'm going to say probably just avoid that one. Probably. But again, still, Colorado is 
one of the weaker offenses in the league. So depending on how the next couple of weeks go, and maybe Johan Oviedo has figured it out miraculously, maybe there is a world in which you would want his, want to stream him there too. I doubt it. But uh, moving on from that, it's not just that he's got like a really, really good schedule coming up. He also has some promise in his profile. So both the curveball and the slider have a CSW of nearly 35%. And his fastball usually sits around 96 and can touch up to close to like 98 so he's got really good velo to pair with that as well. And the slider is like very close to being a money pitch. So it's got a 53% zone percentage, a 37.3% O swing, and a 22.1% whiff rate, which is excellent. Um, the biggest issue for me is like Oviedo's changeup is really bad. He hasn't thrown it often, but it's been bad this year. Three of his five home runs that he's given up have come off the pitch, even though he's only thrown it like 9.1% of the time. And he also has a penchant for when he does throw it, leaving it up, and it just catches way too much of the plate. It's just not a good pitch for him. So I'm hoping that he can just like ditch it until he can work on it more. Or I, I don't really know what the answer is here, honestly, with that. I just would hope that he doesn't want to throw it as much in the coming weeks. Um, I think that the profile is actually there for a really solid pitcher, and it'll show up if he starts burying those breaking pitches a little bit more. He does catch a lot of the zone with them, so he could get punished in theory. And I would like to see him elevate the fastball more and kind of like follow that Blake Snell blueprint a little bit. Um, again, while the Colorado start is likely a really hard fade, just pay attention to how he fares against uh, Detroit and Pittsburgh in his next two starts. The park factors really favor him. The arsenal seems like it could be legit. And if he throws really well in his next two starts and is able to keep the walks down, I mean, I think there is a world in which you think about potentially starting him at Coors. Probably not, but we'll see how it goes. Um, again, just to kind of go over the risks, the whip risk is there because he's got poor command sometimes and he can walk a lot of people. He had like two starts where he walked a total of 11 batters between those two outings. Not great. Uh, but if you need a streamer with some K upside over the next couple of weeks, I think he's probably my favorite that you're going to find out there that's going to be available pretty much everywhere because he's literally 2% rostered in ESPN and Yahoo leagues. So Obviously, if you need the K help, take him there. Just don't expect a ton of help in wins or quality starts because he may not provide you much of either. We we are we are going bold today. I I mean, we've been gone for we 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 took another week off. Coming because, back, came back because, swinging. Yeah, we we took another week off because life happened, and I had to come back and really like light a fire under people's butts and just like make that. I, I I'm really hoping that people will tweet at me and tell me I'm a moron for this. Or I really, well, I mean, realistically, I hope that I'm completely correct about it. And I can just like point at this and be like, <laughs> suck it, nerds. <laughs> it's when the 2.30 a.m. recording time starts to come through. Oh, God, it's almost. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Schwebzy. It's so late. All right, let's try to wrap this thing up. We actually, I think we're running long already. I have to look at the time. Oh, yeah. we're oh, we, oh, we, are. we have absolutely run long. We're almost at an hour already, and we've got a couple more people to talk about. Okay, check Schwartz. that one off your bingo card. Pitcherless podcast goes long. It's the free. It's the free space in the middle. Just if you were wondering, now we can but, log uh, overtime. Hey, what's our <laughs> overtime rate? We need to negotiate an overtime rate, but it's uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> much it's much a, like baseball players, we don't get paid more if we play extra innings. It's it's a pat on the head. Good good job, guys. But, Thanks, right. buddy. So. This uh, this next player that I'm going to talk about is not really as much of a player as a, as it is a player category. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to mention some specific players, one of whom may play for my, uh, my the, the New York Mets of Queens. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> no one could see that. I love that. I, I really love that podcasts aren't a visual medium, so you couldn't see what I just did. I just made a very I, uh, I am, obscene I am, gesture at Schwebzy while he was I, talking. I am about, recording this. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that video. But oh anyway, God. Okay. <laughs> well, so we're, the the uh, category of player I'm talking about is the bulk reliever, or uh, as as bulk as relievers get nowadays. Uh, and the players that I want to focus on, or the main player I want to focus on, is Seth Lugo. So there's not a ton of uh, actual analysis on this one. This is more of a PSA about this type of player being really valuable and readily available. So high volume, high leverage relievers with great peripherals can really give you a boost in deep leagues. And with all the injuries that we've had this year in that in MLB, 
uh, I found them particularly important. Like just a, an example from me uh, in my NL only league, like my injured list is like six pitchers long. And what I've been doing is I've just been stocking up on guys like Craig Stammen, now Seth Lugo, uh, Miguel Castro for a while. And uh, I've just been reaping the benefits with good uh, peripherals, uh, you know, decent enough strikeouts. And it, it, beats the heck out of picking up oh god help me think of a really bad national league starter uh uh brett anderson brett anderson <laughs> <laughs> yes perfect i love it so uh, yeah uh <laughs> there, and there are the added benefits besides peripherals of vulturing wins and saves and that's why it's important to get like a high leverage guy ideally and uh this is a really exciting stretch to own Lugo specifically. And it's not just me being a homer. It's because the Mets are about to enter a really brutal stretch of schedule because they're about to play way too many games in way too few days with a bunch of double headers coming up to make up for that month where they barely played any games in April. Uh, Edwin Diaz is known for his ability to not pitch a bunch of days in a row. So I'm expecting at least a couple of vulture saves for Lugo in, in the next month or so. And, uh, well, maybe not Lugo specifically, but Mets relievers. And I do think that Lugo is the second most trustworthy arm in that pen right now. Uh, a couple of other pitchers fitting this mold are Jonathan Loisiga for the Yankees. Yeah, Johnny Lasagna. Johnny Lasagna. How's that yeah. for a homer pick? My, my, you know, my, the hated New York Yankees. I mean, you say <laughs> that, but also when you said I'm not being a homer, you said it incredibly defensively. Because <laughs> I am being defensive. <laughs> Uh, and also uh, Colin McHugh. With McHugh, you get all of the usual caveats of a Tampa Bay reliever in that you never really know what his usage is going to be, but that also could mean a save or a win on any given day. We have no idea. Tampa Bay does what they do. Ray's going to Ray. So he's my least favorite of the bunch just because of the unpredictability, although that unpredictability can work in your favor. So maybe he's the best of the bunch. I don't know. It's the Rays. Whatever. Loisiga is just a bit above our threshold of ownership uh he's at 24 percent, but his production so far really demands mentioning as he's seen an uptick in velocity and the results have been outstanding the k numbers aren't great which isn't great but no one can square him up and the yankees have been very comfortable using him in situ situations where he winds up with a win he's got like he's got six wins already like it's he, he, you know, he's no Brent Suter, but uh, but he's he's, he's, he's piling up the W's. So yeah, uh, if you're struggling to get starting pitchers that you like in your uh, deep leagues, look at the relievers. Love it. Yeah, I mean, all good callouts. I think I'm, again with that stretch of like very very strenuous stretch of games that the Mets are going to have. I think that Lugo again is going to be the most likely to get the call in those safe situations when Diaz has pitched the day before and cannot yeah. well th the two days before potentially and cannot come back in again look, um when I'm out here recommending that someone picks up like Jacob Barnes then you can call me a homer okay <laughs> fair enough fair <laughs> enough okay uh moving on okay I never thought that there would be an episode I, I didn't think like if I had like a baseball podcast a fantasy baseball podcast, I guess specifically that the best pitcher that I would personally write up and talk about in that episode would be Ross Stripling. But here we are. Um, Ross Stripling would be the last pitcher that I talk about. So this one is obviously far less dangerous than the other two, because one, I mean, Ross Stripling has shown like a very recent stretch of actually being reasonably productive. So his last five starts, he's pitched at least five innings in every single outing. So he set himself up potentially for a win in theory um, in terms of just like, the length of the start for those five starts are quality starts. And he's got a 2.45 ERA over that span. And he's averaging about a K per inning, which is hundred percent going to play in pretty much any capacity. Um, he's got a really stellar offense behind him there in Toronto. Well, technically I guess it's Buffalo, not Toronto for being completely fair. The Toronto um, Blue Jays of Buffalo. Yes. The, exactly. the migratory <laughs> Blue Jays. Yes. They haven't quite gone all the way to the North for the summer. Uh, but they're, yeah, they're third in team WRC plus. So like they're the third best offense in the league in theory. Uh, and they're going to hopefully provide him a cushion so that he can rack up some wins. Uh, his next two starts, he lines up to face Miami and Baltimore, which are ranked 20th and 17th respectively in team WRC plus. So that's a pretty solid outlook. I like those matchups for him. Uh, 
I'm digging into the peripheral data during that stretch and like Stripling is throwing all of his offerings super effectively. So he has a CSW of like right around 30% for literally all of his pitches. They're all between like 29 and 31%. So he's using all of his pitches really, really well. Um, the best pitch of them all is the changeup on the season. It's sitting super strongly in money pitch ter- territory by all metrics. It's just that now the other secondaries also seem to be playing up, leading to even more success for him. Overall, I think I'm pretty happy just throwing him out there for his next two starts against Miami and Baltimore. And then the two starts after that are both lining up to be against the Rays, who are slightly more formidable in terms of opponents. But, I mean, if he's continuing to show off with that changeup and the rest of the offerings are still showing up as well, I'm kind of happy just running him out there for that as well. And he's only 11% rostered in ESPN and Yahoo League. So, I mean, if you need a streamer, he's probably going to be like the safest and best option in terms of getting you quality starts and wins specifically. All right. And then we had one more here, but I think we're probably just going to... I mean, we were pretty iffy about this one from the start anyways, right? Yeah, (laughs) no. You you know how we talked before about how there's a lot of players today that we looked into and we wound up really liking them even more than we thought? I I really was looking into Griffin Canning and then I realized I did not like him at all. So let's just wrap it up. All right. (laughs) Sounds good. Sorry, Griffin Canning. We'll find time for you another time. Uh, No, I won't. All right, that'll be it for this week's episode of In the Deep. Thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you for bearing with us as we had another off week last week. Life happens sometimes. We appreciate you being patient with us, of course. Um, Once again, please, if you are listening to us on one of your favorite podcast platforms, whether that be Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher, whatever it may be, please like us, subscribe, leave a review and a five-star rating for us. Let us know what we're doing good and bad. We would appreciate it. And also, obviously, follow us at our social profiles. Again, our shared profile is in the deep PL on Twitter. And then also Schwebzi's individual Twitter is S-H-W-E-B-S-I. That's Schwebzi. And then myself at Bun Singles. And if you want to shoot us an email for a mailbag question or anything like that, or if you just want to like send us some love, feel free to shoot us an email at in the deep PL at gmail.com. And with that, we'll see you here again next week for a live in-person recording where I'm going to be looking directly at Schwebzi's physical face instead of through a screen that is being transposed by a number of or a bunch of ones and zeros. I told you, like, what I want for that is a microphone in the middle and then us on either side of the microphone just staring into each other's eyes for, you know, 60 straight minutes as we record. How about just a video of us staring into, into each other's <laughs> eyes for 60 minutes with no talking? I think people would like that, too. That's like that's like a subscriber benefit. You need you need, you need to join <laughs> PL Plus to get that benefit. The, 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 the deep the in the deep only fans. <laughs> uh. Anyways, on that note, Shwebzy, send them out. Bye, friends. <laughs>